Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of Sharp Cuts. My name is Josh Nickel from the Passing Nights Podcast. And if you're looking for the podcast, Garrett, this isn't it. This is going to be a discussion show. We're going to argue. Friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. Uh, there's going to be some partners on this week's episode, so I can't wait because the arguments are going to cut deep in this one. So both guests we've known for a while. And my understanding is they reached out to be on the show because they watched a previous episode with Becky and Natasha. And they're like, we can one-up these stories. So it's great to have some one-uppers on the show. Pass it over to my guy, Garrett May from Yes Guy Gaming. Why don't we introduce our guests and we'll get into this one. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Josh. And welcome everybody to Sharp Cuts. Garrett May uh, here from Yes Guy Gaming. Subscribe to this, subscribe to the podcast, everything, wherever you're listening. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited for this episode. Um, I would say probably two of my favorite people we have on the show right here. I mean, one, I have to say that. And then the other, I'm just trying to be nice. So we'll see how that play comes into play. I really don't know. Uh, anyways, let's get to it before I stick my foot in my mouth. Um, so first up, in to introduce uh, this is a longtime volleyball coach. Uh, we had her on the first episode of the show that we lost because of my terrible data. Um, got, got lots to talk about with volleyball. Huge fan. You can find her in the chats watching games all the time. It's Katie Hutchinson. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be back. Yes. Hopefully you know we're happy to have you again and hopefully this time we don't lose the data am i recording can we check i don't even know hopefully we're good i mean if we're not nobody will know so welcome to the show yeah, katie that's true. and second guest for today's episode uh i've known this person for a long time long time volleyball mind actually an ontario provincial champion at Western University, uh, went on to coach at the Leaside Volleyball Club, had lots of success, a strong female role model to all you young female uh, volleyball players out there. It's Maria Kron. Welcome to the show, Maria. Thanks. Uh, happy to be here. I can say that I am a longtime Sharp Cuts fan. Mm. I have Are listened you, though? To all ten well, I've listened to all 10 episodes through the walls of our apartment. So I consider myself well-versed in the kind of banter that goes on here. Yeah, so we should mention, Marie and I, we do live together. We are, we have been together for 10 years. I don't know if you can hear the audio through the wall. We are in different rooms right now. I don't know if that's weird <laughs> to any of you listeners out there, but I thought, you know what, best to keep this separate. This is sharp cuts after all. So, I mean, Josh, I would throw it to you to ask, hey, what are we getting into? But I'm actually not going to do that because I think we're going to, I got, I'm the one with the notes today. Like, can you believe it? I'm the prepared one. This is ridiculous. I kind of had to, I got to show well here. Like, you know, I got a, a couple important <laughs> guests on the show, so I got to show face. So um, what sparked this episode, I think was the conversation we had a couple episodes ago in episode nine, check that out if you haven't already about, you know, women coaching in club volleyball and volleyball in general in, in Canada, but, and in around the world. And so you two coached together with the Leaside Volleyball Club for a couple of years and were particularly struck, I think, by my comments about the lack of women in the coaching scene, but also the crazy amount of creepy dudes coaching young women's teams. So I figured we'd start there and maybe get some of your hot takes <laughs> on the current situation. Well, maybe not super current, but in the situation in Canadian volleyball you know, North American volleyball, and maybe just the scene in general. So I don't know who wants to jump in if you're eager, or maybe maybe we got to tiptoe our way into this sharp cuts. I want to correct you though first. This is not to one up Natasha and Becky. We're not one up in them. I was inspired and motivated because they've both accomplished so much 
and wanted to back them up. So we are, uh, you know, I, I want to, but I was screaming at the TV when I was watching you guys because they said, you know, you guys were talking about coaches making their players run lines or do push-ups, and I have experienced that. What firsthand? Okay, yeah. wait, you did it yeah. firsthand, like that type of firsthand. No. <laughs> So you're the one. No, no. <laughs> but I've experienced firsthand the coach call a timeout and make his girls do push-ups. And my girls, this is 14U. So these girls are grade eight, grade eight, 14 years? Yeah, grade eight. And they're doing push-ups. And my girls are slowly walking to the bench to meet me. And we're looking <laughs> at them. And it's like, what is And so... In that moment, I can react the way I want to react, which is to flip off that guy. But I got a job to do with these six girls who are like, what the hell's going on? And keep their focus. Well, girls, you see them. Let's get to it. Yeah. Oh, oh, it wasn't that. uh, We would never do that. (laughs) And I said, and I, so during that timeout, we just talked about how that's a major power play because that coach is feeling insignificant. And, you know, he's obviously, he's feeling really insecure and had to like make them make him feel better by making them feel low. So that's usually the conversation that we have because it's actually like the girls feel bad, right? Watching the other team get demoralized by their coach. We've, uh, so it's, it's less of in the moment. It's like about making sure that your team stays focused because uh, teenage girls are a lot more empathetic than you think they are. I I mean, that's great advice. I have I have nothing to say. I mean, I think you've completely folded up anybody who's ever made their players do anything like that in a timeout. Um, so we should maybe clip that, Josh, and just send that around for the, you know, OVA Volleyball Canada coaching clinics. I want to circle back to something you did mention, though, about not wanting to one-up uh, Becky and Natasha, who were here before. I mean, my ears are a little bit disappointed to hear that because this is sharp cuts after all. But now I'm curious, if you didn't come up to one-up them, did you come up to one up Josh and I? Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, Josh, this is a first. We've got some hostile <laughs> guests on the show. Okay, so Katie's <laughs> dropping some knowledge immediately. Maria, what are you bringing to the table? I mean, I got a whole slew of experiences. My personal sort of vendetta is like, I'm not really here to make friends. I don't really want to get to know all the other coaches necessarily. <laughs> wait, wait. I mean, you're not like you're you're you want to be friends with the athletes right but not like not the other team's coaches no what i'm here to do what my sort of personal mission statement in coaching is is i'm here to give back to the community i'm here to develop the next group of strong female leaders to take that experience from sport into the workplace and that sounds a bit serious but there's so much other banter and BS that goes on. Um, and over the years, I've just kind of learned through my coaching experience to try to ignore some of that stuff. And I think it gets back to Katie's point. Like you got to keep the team focused on the goal at hand. And there's a lot of weird politics and personal dynamics and power moves that are going on. So, I mean, like, you know, as a player, I experienced some, you know, bizarre situations of like, you know, male coaches cornering athletes and like close talkers, which is really unnecessary. And, you know, now in COVID times, I would like to think that there will be no more close talking. Like it's a public health and safety issue. Josh, do you get up and close to those guys when you're coaching at the center, like right in the face? No, and I, I've got the two masks thing going on. I've got like the, the actual blue mask and then my gator over top to like look cool. And if anyone's ever coached a mask, it moves around too much. So that's why I had to double yeah. up because I'm not touching the outside. You're not supposed to touch your mask. So that's why I, I, yeah, it doesn't look good here. It's not for style points, but really my whole life hasn't been about style points. So no, not a close talker and double masking. Well, there we go. So maybe COVID, blessing in disguise, silver lining, maybe the close talking thing will. Did I also you hear know, you say, Maria? Badly. Sorry to interrupt, that you try to ignore some of the the political and the weirdness going on with the other coaches. That's where we live. That's that's the whole thing. It's the shtick. I I thought you said you've been listening to the show through the walls. Have you listened to a single episode of Sharp Cuts? (laughs) Um, To be honest, no. (laughs) Well, now I'm going to play it on blast in the house while we're walking around. It's just going to be on a constant loop every episode. 
Yeah, okay. But I, what I mean by that is not like I'm not going to get into it. I'll get into it. But like on the topic of sharp cuts, like let's let's cut it off sharply. Like I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get into the antics. Like cut us know. off sharply with this line of questioning. That's right. Well, no. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Let me finish my sentence. <laughs> hey, it's sharp cuts. I'm sharp cutting you off, too. Garrett, everyone you bring on the show that you care about tries to take over the show and lead the direction we're going with the questioning. Like, we need to, like, really, you know, announce our presence with authority. This is still our show. We're Seriously, leading this. people like, feel really comfortable. Your dad's tried this. Oscar's tried it now. Maria, it's too much. I, like, there's a <laughs> lot of comfort level with you two coming on the show. I mean, I like it. But, hey, let's remember, it's sharp cuts after all. <laughs> no, I mean, just like, you know, Garrett and I coached at least side team last year. Um, so we had this interesting experience where I had previously been coaching with Katie for a few years. So, you know, I had that experience of like two females, like girls support girls and I like love that. Um, and then moving into the head coaching role with, with Garrett as the assistant coach, I mean, like the, quite honestly, like the number of times that I had to explain, like I'm the head coach, like I'm in charge. He's not was like nauseating like a hundred percent of the time like a hundred percent of the time like everybody yeah, made that mistake and i mean i kind yeah. of was i kind of would soak it up a bit but really deeper it was just really not a great thing no no i cut that when you say everyone like refs the other coach Re like oh your opponents the refs were the worst josh like the refs were both sitting there i'm in the second chair refs walking right up to me and that's when I stand up and I go, sharp cut. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett, go sit in the corner. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'll get to the end of the bench if it helps. Like, this is not going well. Yeah, I had a parent come deliver some filled water bottles to the bench. And I'm sitting in the coach's chair filling out the lineup. And the coach walks around the bench and taps him on the shoulder and says, are you the head coach of this team? I just need somebody to put the lineup in. I'm wearing the Lee side jacket and literally got... doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But he was a six foot five man, fast volleyball player. Uh, and I'm a five foot four tiny lady. <laughs> are you five foot four though? I feel like you're at least five, six, Katie. Come on. Nope. I'm five foot four. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Solidly on the line actually. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but Yeah. So that happens, and we, uh, Marie and I coached with another male coach for a while as a second assistant, and same thing. It was always him. He always got approached by parents, too, like, it, you know, at tryouts and stuff. They never think I'm the head coach, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's super frustrating and kind of demoralizing. Like, I mean, I'm sitting there in the, in the second chair and kind of seeing this coming. And we kind of talked about it in the last, in a couple episodes ago with, uh, with Natasha and Becky just about, um, and we touched on it briefly, I think, but I kind of wanted, was hoping to chat with, uh, you both about it, about some of the benefits that kind of come from being, you know, an, an adult woman role model for these, you know, coaching younger women in volleyball for sure to see that, but just in life generally, um, because I, I experienced it a little bit myself when, like Maria said, we kind of partnered up and, and coach a team together, how differently our messaging, however similar it could be just the reaction and, and kind of the, the reception of that was just so different from Maria and myself. So I'm just kind of curious your guys experience with like, you know, really bringing that for these young women and then uh, seeing some of the other teams, some of the other things when they go off maybe to other coaches and how that maybe changes. Go ahead, Maria. <laughs> oh, I was going to say you go ahead because I feel like you've experienced this. You All know, right, listen, you two come on Sharp Cuts and Sharp Cutting Josh and I, and yet when it's you, each other, it's like, oh, hey, go ahead. After you, after you. It, no. does, feel, it does feel pretty... Oh, we have to cuss. I won't cuss. We, it feels pretty bad when... Feels pretty um, Are you trying to say sh it feels pretty shitty. Yeah. When, Sorry, Josh. It's um, a, hey, you got to edit that later, bud. <laughs> <laughs> when I, uh, you know, you've, you've been working on something with a team and then, uh, you know, a male coach comes in and says the same thing. And then down the road, they're like, and I think this actually happened with Garrett. Uh, Garrett taught us to fill in whatever technical thing here. And I'm like, wait, 
I've coached you since 14 U. You're now at 16 U. I've we've reviewed this many times. And it's not, you know, I at first it's like a bit, is this my coaching? Like, are they not picking up on it? But then when you dig into it, they're like, oh no, no, no. I remember, yeah, we do that all the time. It's like, yeah, we do that all the time. So it's it's tough when you know that your voice just isn't it, like perceived the same way, like even the physicality of your voice and the way that it like comes across. And I think there's lots of research on that too, just listening to women speak versus listening to men speak in authority and that sort of thing. And I think that really plays in, especially to young players, both male and female who, you know, are used to hearing the men's voice as being the, the dominant one. Yeah. So. And I mean, I could jump in here and, and, and make a joke about how, Oh, well, I mean, they remember thought it was me because I taught them it so well. I'm not going to make that joke because it's truthfully not, it's not the case. Um, well, you better not. Yeah, like you're it's, not to dinner later. It, it's not the case. I yeah. can't take any credit for that, but I will say it's funny that you say that and that they would say that too. Right. Because that's a, kind of dumb but b definitely not how i felt about the situation right like when i'm mm. saying these things to me i'm thinking i'm talking into the void nobody's listening like i feel like nobody's i'm not getting anything like i'm just speaking here and then that they would go and say that was just super interesting right like i'm talking about you know passing or defense or you know whatever mm. volleyball insert volleyball thing x and then you know i hear that they're saying this to you and i'm I, that's not at all what i experienced you know that's not my experience either, Gary. When we used to do those clinics, we used to pick on Adam and Bob and tell their athletes before they left, hey, you tell Adam that I said he doesn't know what he's talking about. But we never threw Maria or Katie under the bus. Just Adam and Bob, right? Oh, I still <laughs> do that. true for them. <laughs> Every time, like, without doubt. Like, but not with, not with, like, I coached with Maria. I'm not going to go say, hey, tell Maria that I taught you this on when she wasn't here like no go tell Actually, the other teams coaches that a that. few times <laughs> i think you did do that a few times especially the sunday training sessions i recall some of the athletes saying like he 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 garrett told us to tell you it was the best sunday yet and i was like i never no, said that, that. Like something that you i never made said up. that i may have said that once mm. Mm, if you said it once how many other times may you have said it? I may it? have said it literally every time they come in the gym. Hey, if anybody asks, this was the best session you've ever been a part of. Before they but, even participated. Yes. Yeah. But on the topic, cutting sharply, but on the topic around the Cutting sharply or veering sharply? Veering, cutting okay. sharply on the topic of authority. Here's a question that I'm interested in your perspective on, uh, Josh and Garrett, is do you ever have coaches questioning decisions that you've made? Because I've had experiences as a head coach where other male coaches have approached me after the match and questioned a decision that I made. And I'm totally fine. Like, I do get a bit defensive, as you can tell. Like, I'm totally fine to have a conversation about coaching tactics and decisions. But I would hazard a guess that in all your years coaching, nobody has ever come up to you. I'll just speak for you, Garrett, and said, like, oh, Garrett, you really made a stupid move there. Or why did you put that lineup in? But I have definitely had those comments. And I can think of like a very clear example where a coach was like, uh, so why do you start your middle in this position? Yeah, that's that's literally never happened to me before. And I know how I would react if it did with intense anger and just like tell the person to F off and get out of my face, like 100%. I will say it's probably happened to Josh because he probably hears it from me all the time. Hey, what are you doing, Josh? Figure your stuff out over there, bud. No, I think, Garrett, you're good at giving feedback or I don't want to use the word advice. It's not advice, just your thoughts on it, because I asked for it. I, I, I'm with Maria. If I would get unsolicited advice from another coach, immediately get upset, immediately get offended. I don't think another coach has done that. I've had refs ask stupid questions before that I don't always appreciate. But I, I Maria, there, when we had Ian Ebbett on the podcast, he mentioned as a coaching community, I think we are too hard on each other. Like people in the stands would be like, chirping university coaches not to their face but behind their back and stuff but the actual unsolicited advice to my face after a game no i i'm, I'm sorry you had to go through that i've definitely never had to go through that 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like if, you know, I can't remember the exact words I used, but I definitely had a big smile on my face and said, well, that's your opinion, but I think you're wrong. That's yeah, such and a I'm nice like, response here on okay. Sharp Cuts. I think we like to really dive into what would be maybe not the nicest response to a way to brush that person <laughs> off. So if you had a chance to go back and talk to that person again, what would you say if you knew there were no consequences? Oh, well, insert a slew of expletives that I'm not going to say because then Josh is going to have to do more work to edit the podcast. It'll be worth it. Worth it. That'd be step one. Step two, though, um, I like to be a bit sarcastic sometimes. Um, I would probably be like, well, did you want to sit down and have a chat about my coaching strategy? Because I'd be happy to tell you why I'm right and you're wrong. Oh, so like you, you like to, you want to, you actually kind of want to get into it and bury them mentally with, Hey, this is how, this is why I was right. And how you're so stupid for even asking. Well, yeah. I mean, and it definitely, like, I think what's really important is that like my team and Katie, you'll probably agree with this. Like how you react as a coach in the moment shows your team everything. And so like, like our girls see this happening. Maybe they don't overhear all of the comments, but some of them certainly do. They're right there. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the space between the score table and the bench isn't very far. So if another coach is going to question some of my decisions, potentially within earshot of my team, like I, I know that it's my job to stand up to that and to reaffirm for the group and for, you know, and to this person, uh, like, no, thanks. I don't need help doing my job. Like I'm fine. I don't know how many women's volleyball games you've played. Um, I'm a woman. I've played a lot of games. So I think I know what I'm doing here. Well, mm -hmm. what does it need to be qualified as a women's volleyball game? Cause I may have played in a few myself. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure though. If I'm in it, does that immediately disqualify it from being a, I, how does that you know, we best not get into the gender. That's a great point. Date. I'm surprised yeah. you say that, Maria, because I would be so down to just get in there with a you're a complete idiot or like F off or get out of my face. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. Katie, would you throw anything in yeah. like that in there? Or? You want to know what? Like, I don't have time for that shit. It's like I, you know, if people want to talk to me about what I'm doing, like I'm volunteering my time doing something that I've put like hours and hours of labor into and have 12 athletes who are on my side like I don't need to explain myself to someone who I have no accountability to um something that I think is dynamic about art like coaching with other women because I've coached with Maria I coached with Kaylee Venn before that and then with Dasha this year I've only went in the Ontario context and coaching with women um, but what's he hearing other, I was a mentor for the, um, Ontario coaches, uh, mentorship program and having women being assistant coaches to men and how that dynamic is very challenging to offer up ideas or different strategies and that sort of thing. And how they felt like an arm essentially, and not like a contributing member where I know with Maria and I, like I was head coach on the pa on paper, but in the gym, it was, you know, both of us figuring it out together and making strategic decisions together and having some tough conversations about things like lineups and who should play. And it's, you know, I never felt like, well, it's my decision, Maria. Like it was always, it was truly like a co-coaching relationship. The only thing is, is in Canada, you got to sit on the bench. I came from an American coaching context where that was not the case. Got my first yellow card in my first game ever at 13U when I stood up as an assistant coach got a yellow card right away. I was like, wait, why did I get a yellow card? And then it was because I stood up. So it's, you know, I, I'm curious in your uh, experiences as coaches and being assistant coaches and head coaches, how that dynamic differs. Because I, from what I've heard, it's very different between a, two men and a man and a woman. Yeah, well, when I was assistant coach with Maria, it was basically shut up and do what you're told. Um, so, I mean, I took that in stride. It was humbling for sure. But I mean, I think it was what was necessary for the health of the relationship. So I'm not sure if that's the best example or maybe it's a great example. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, like I, I don't want to say something nice to follow that. But I think that Maria and I were equally committed to our team. Like I think Garrett, you were coaching another team at the time, so you weren't fully in the I gym 100 percent of the sure. time. And it is 
Yeah, it ha- it's hard to be a full force as a coach when you're not 100% there. But I think with, you know, when Maria and I were in it, we were both really in it. We did like 19 tournaments in one season and like we really did it. <laughs> yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. And I mean, so I guess like getting people commenting to you as a coach, it, like because people are sitting there watching the games when you're coaching, you got the parents, you got maybe some other people in there, you got just some volleyball fans, refs, all these people coming in. But that's something we also do, right, as as fans of the sport is watch other people. And I don't necessarily think that the four of us here are going up to coaches or players after the game and just saying stuff to them. But I will say I know myself when we're watching. So, you know, for those of you who haven't been watching, it's the uh, Cancun FIVB event are going on currently and they're i think by the time you're watching this listening to this they'll be finished and moving on to somewhere else but it was a really cool experience to see canadian fans and other fans jumping in and it's just a cesspool of people commenting on what's going on and in there it's totally different right like you you jump in and i'm i'm judging literally every decision that is being made calling people out chirping the other team and it's kind of part of the fun which is kind of a nice outlet for that but i guess as a coach that's something you're just not ever really exposed to or a part of i'm just kind of curious a is that something that we think is super important for because it's kind of new the chat in a, watching a volleyball game it's like not something we've seen a lot of do we think that's something that has a great place in volleyball i mean sharp cuts we could maybe thrive on that but or is that something maybe we got to really put a, a strong divider between and it's like no don't look in chat these people don't know what they're doing like um that sort of thing Friend of the show, Jeff Miller, started an amazing golf brand called Club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel, and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com, to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club. Hmm. Do you think that's different with like, you know, you between the difference between youth sport and folks who are playing professionally? I think it's a different story. Uh, I do think, you know, I was in the chat with you the other day, Garrett, uh, for one of the games. And, uh, you know, you were talking about the game, but I was translating a lot of the other people who weren't speaking yes. English and they were not talking about the game. Right. So I love hearing people's commentary about the game, but hearing about how pretty so-and-so is or how pregnant so-and-so looks feels like not useful commentary in a sports context, in any context, but in a sports context specifically. So I definitely think that getting people chatting about the sport is amazing and people can learn. Like, you, you know, you were talking about uh, the jumps, the standing jump spin serve and all that, like just getting people talking and learning, I think is amazing because the sport needs more, you know, engagement in general. But yeah, I just, I, I feel like we got to be careful with that kind of stuff because it can get out of hand. So yeah, that's a great point. And, it kind of you know, makes me think of a story to the female game back in the day. And I don't know if you remember this, Josh, but there was kind of a, an online forum that was made called, I think it was called B, no, not BVB, it was PVB. PVB, yeah. And people would go on there and it's a forum, right? And people would chat about anything. It was like the different topics, kind of like a Reddit before Reddit type thing. And I can remember things just getting a little bit out of hand there in this kind of cesspool of anonymity that is the internet. And you find like, I'm a 14 year old guy and somebody throws my name up there. Hey, what are we, you know, best players in the 16 U division or whatever. And it's like, Oh no, that Garrett may guy, he's terrible. It's this guy or, Oh, it's this guy. Right. Um, you're right that it can be like super valuable and help grow the sport, but also be just a cesspool for just absolute garbage. Like, 
Mm -hmm. Because you're right. Some people were throwing up just trash in there. Like, I think when we were in one of the chats, somebody was chirping Canada hard. And, like, they were were good chirps because Canada was getting their ass kicked. But I just was feeling it hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things. And uh, we got a – this is a big part of my coaching philosophy is – protecting uh, protecting might be dramatic but i feel like protecting young female athletes from that from feeling like they are like a product that's to be consumed whether that's as an athlete or as a young woman and like like maria said earlier it's like we're just giving you skills that hopefully you can use in the future maybe they're volleyball skills maybe they're teamwork skills maybe they're you know ways to learn how to fuel your body better like all these are skills that young people need and it's like, if they go on to be the best volleyball player in Canada, then great. If they go on to be the best artist in the world because they're for true passion is painting, that's also great. So, yeah. but you know, they're going to take something away, but if they're hearing this, it doesn't, doesn't make them want to stay in the game. Yeah. It's a good point. And it's kind of a segue into something I did want to talk about with both of you and all four of us, because we had kind of have experience with it is the, the kind of the youth club scene uh, in Canada and North America. Cause I think the American system is just similar to ours, just like, dialed up to 11 um, about how intense it is for some of these young players. And it's kind of this weird thing where you got some of the best players are going to go on. Like they're going to be pro, like they're going to do it. Right. But then you get those players who are good. They may play at university college, but then after that, they're not going to play anymore. And then all those players are mixed in with players who are going to quit after they're done club, who may quit next year, who are actually terrible and just playing for fun. They all play in the same league, the same environment. And it kind of makes me think of Katie when you say that, because when these girls and guys put out stuff on social media to try to hype themselves. So hopefully a club, a good club will pick them up because they're trying to be good. That sort of thing. You open yourself up to more of this critical analysis of these young players. They're on their youth. They're under 18. Like they, you know, and so you get these people being super critical, judging each other, but it's intense because you're competing for spots on these teams. I'm just kind of curious. Cause when I, when I jumped into it, I was like, man, this is insane. Like the things, these girls are driving from one tryout, another hour to another tryout. Then they're checking out, they're paying five grand a year Canadian. So, I mean, American, that's not really that much money, but they're paying big money to play on some of these teams, maybe not getting play time. Like all this stuff is interwoven in there. I'm just kind of curious if that spurs on any, any thoughts about our current scene. Oh, where to start? <laughs> uh, I got a lot of thoughts. And like, to be honest, I think something that I noticed was a lot more prominent because before I moved to Ontario, like I'm originally from Manitoba and I did coach there a little bit. Um, very different scene, highly concentrated, a few really, really good teams that play each other constantly and look to travel out of province, but you kind of know at the start of the season what the landscape looks like and it doesn't change that much. Coming to Ontario, much bigger market, I found there was a lot of emphasis and still is, and what I've seen over the last few years of coaching on like creating this more and more elite structure. And like, that's, that's borne itself out in like ridiculous ideas for how to like restructure the entire way we play and how we think about like the role of clubs and the OVA and like, there's all kinds of politics behind it. But when I really think about athlete centered perspective, you got to start to ask some tough questions about like, what really is the goal of some of these programs? Because I'm not saying, I'm not saying we shouldn't have elite programs, but I know Katie and I have been in situations in rooms in tournaments in the U S that we've taken these kids to because their parents really want that exposure for some reason, as well as to, you know, camps that we've been to with, with the athletes where they've been exposed to some of these other more elitist models And like, I gotta say where there's smoke, there's fire. And I saw a lot more smoke, um, that, that made me concerned in some of those dynamics and situations where like, you know, at 14 years old, is this, does this really need to be the message? Do you need to be treated this way? You know, does this need to be the style that we take to get the most out of our athletes? And when you start that at younger and younger ages, 
um, before people have like fully developed physically when they're still kind of finding their way, you create a culture of like elitism around it that really pinches more people out than it brings people together. And, you know, does that work if you're trying to pump out Olympians? Uh, maybe. Uh, is that the goal? What are, what are the goals of some of our sport programs? I know why I coach, but I think there's some, there's definitely some stuff to unpack there. That's, that's a little bit heavy. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, so what do you do then? Because if you have a, you're the coach or a program, or maybe even you're kind of a director of a club or something, and you've got athlete a who this athlete could play on the national team. This athlete could have a totally different life experience and really be a champion for the sport and everything playing with athlete b who you know does not want that wants to play for fun but is pretty good then you have this situation where it's like well it seems like you might have two different messages for those two different players yeah you can deliver that but what you do with your team is going to vary wildly depending on which you're trying to cater to and it seems to me like everybody wants to cater to the player who wants to be the the world champion who wants to be the national team player that seems to be everybody's thing because that's what gets the the dollars and you can charge the five grand club fee for but what what do you do then like if you you know you got these two what do you do well i would argue that like every team you're ever on there's going to be multiple people with different goals so even on the national team i'm sure it's a group of people who all have different goals that they want to accomplish so that's part of the game well that's funny like, though because we talked with tj last week and we asked him kind of a similar question and he was you know he was maybe pumping their tires a bit because they are team canada and they're trying to you know make it to the olympics but he was saying what he really liked and admired about the situation was how it's 14 guys who all have the same goal and how they're all unified in that. And they're trying to make the Olympics that that's the coaches are driving that. That's what it is. I mean, maybe personally sure. have different goals, but he was, that's what he was saying, whether or not it's true. I don't know, but that's what we were here. Sure, but I think each, I think each team, like if we're going Ontario context, each team wants to win provincials. No team is going to be like, no, I don't want to win. Like they all, we're all trying to win provincials. Some teams will, some teams won't. Like, do they team, like, so same with the Canadian women's team. Like, they want to win the Olympics. Will they? Like, it, it, so even though they're working towards a goal, there's probably other, you know, people on these teams who are like, I got two years of good, healthy life in front of me that I can be, uh, play at this level. I want to play the best I can for the next two years. And then I'm done. And then I'm going to go do this. And st- like, so it's the same at the youth level. You got to get used to playing with different people who are at different stages and still play your best, regardless of who's around you. Because this is like, oh, my, my player needs to play with a better player because it's going to make our, like, their experience better. It's like, I don't know how much we're teaching our kids. Like, it does suck when the level is really disparate, like when there's somebody who's really new to the game and a very elite player. Like, I'm not talking about that, but there's always going to be a best and a worst player on a team. Yeah. So, so get used to it. So, and you, you might be at the bottom, you might be at the top. So what do you do then when you're maybe team seven, uh, you know, you're in the top division, you're team seven, you're making the chase, but you know, you've never won, you lose every, you maybe make a semi, you come fifth a lot, like you're right there kind of, but, and you got a bunch of it really, sounds familiar, Maria. Yeah. Like, Hey, this is going to hit home for, for some of us. Like, and Josh, maybe you can chime in here. Cause like, I'm not sure that I've dealt with this the best in my, in my career as well is like, what do you do with your team? Like, do you, do you do two hours of like hand passing the most boring drill of all time, because you know, that's, what's going to help you kind of take the next step. Or do you do a more holistic thing? Like let's, you know, let's get these kids in, you know, doing volunteering or talking about team dynamics and how to work better in a team. Right. Or like focusing on some of those more life skills than actually really honing in on getting that goal done. Well, I would say, like, if you're doing hand passing and it's super boring, uh, you're going to have to do some super boring in your life. Like, so maybe doing that, if that's what's going to get us better and that's going to take us from seventh to sixth, do we want to be sixth? Like, you got to talk to your team. Do we want to be sixth? Right. And they say yes. And this is kind of what worries me because what I see when I go in this scene, and maybe it's anecdotal, right? So it's not, I'm not looking at the whole world here, but what I see is I see people with that mentality. 
But when you take that a step or two too far, what do you get? You get the coach yeah. who's like yelling at a player or far too intense or steps over the line or those sort of things along that track, which we, we see. I don't want to say we see a ton here in Ontario, Canada, but we do see a fair amount of that. That kind of looks like, Ooh, is this what we want our sport to look like? I don't think so. Yeah. I think if there's one thing that I have been able to do and learned, I think from the U S context, like I think it's worth saying that I started coaching at a high school program in San Francisco and totally different world, right? Like we're starting open gyms in April season starts in October. Like we're practicing, it's an intense, intense like Jeez. situation. And then they go chill at club. Like I was a assistant at club and that was good too, but the, the, the high school is where it's at. But anyway, it's like, if you're looking to have, you know, a good team, they got to be good at everything. So the hand passing is important, but after the hand pass, they got to be able to transition or they got to be able to do something. So if you're just working on a single skill, it's never going to work, right? So that game like play shit that they spew out USA volleyball will say it over and over and over again. It's not just about that's what creates the best athletes. That's what keeps athletes wanting to play because it's fun. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Let's not forget. It's a freaking game. Like, let's have some fun. So if we can make it, you're going to get an extra point if you hand pass off the serve, but we're just going to play a scrimmage. Like, that could be kind of fun. And maybe if you're 15, that's what you're there for. So I don't know. It's. I mean, I, I agree. I think that's a pretty healthy perspective and I would agree with that. But what I, what I think the problem is, is say you join a club because, you know, Leaside, for example, for those of you who don't know, for our listeners, I think Leaside's a pretty holistic club. They take fun pretty seriously. I mean, you know, coaches getting together, having a few drinks and just, ha you know, shooting the shit, I think happens pretty regularly. And it's just a sign that, Hey, you know, people do this for fun. It's a, you know, it's kind of a recreation thing where you try to compete for sure but you know it's got a good perspective i think as a club but when you think about some other clubs who charge maybe a little bit more for their fees you know or other organizations who you know who commit that hey your kid will get better your kid will be the best we're going to compete at the highest level you know where does that put some of these coaches and some of these players kind of constantly pushing for that it's easy to lose sight of that and where do you end up well you end up in some of these situations where you get these you know Coaches doing weird things, players quitting, players doing weird things, clubs doing weird stuff. Like, I know we've heard some news recently about this sort of thing, about people just getting really caught up in all this crap, right? And, I mean, I hate to see it. And I kind of wonder, like, well, what do we do as a community to, like, make sure that we have a better perspective, like you were saying? Maybe we play just participation trophies. Well, no, no, I'm sharpening <laughs> no. that off. No, no. Um, I think if, if anyone's a big basketball fan, though, they should definitely read Nick Nurse's book because part of his coaching philosophy, he's big on matching selfish goals with team goals. And he says, if I want an NBA player to be an alpha in the last nine seconds of the game, why am I beating him over the head with our team goals and saying you're not going to do this? But if you come to him and say, hey, coach, why aren't you playing that? Or why aren't you running any ISO plays for it? Garrett, you turn the ball over too much. You're taking bad shots and you're not playing good defense. So if you start to play good defense, stop turning the ball over. I mean, did we'll you watch me play high school volleyball that, or high school <laughs> basketball? That was my exact scouting report. <laughs> exactly. But he's having these meetings with players with what's your selfish goals. Like you want to get a big contract next year. That means you got to play more minutes. You got to play points. This is our team system. This is how you can help us score points. And we're going to link those things together. I think that's really the art of coaching. And, and to Katie's comment about like, you got to train everything. You got to be good at everything. You, you've never coached at the OCAA where it's all about hiding things where I think uh, when George Brown was at its best Garrett, we hid a lot. And when it got exposed, man, it was real bad, but we won a lot of games just by doing the three or four things that we were good at. And I, I, it, it feels bad at that level. I think as a club coach, yeah, your job is to teach skills and you never want to isolate somebody. But there, there was people at George Brown Garrett when they graduated, they, they couldn't hand pass. They couldn't mm -hmm. spin serve. But we magnified what they could do, and I didn't really allow them or, or encourage them to do the things they couldn't do. Yeah, and I, I'm going to just let the users continue to think by when you said we you mean you and i i'm gonna just let that you know fester because we did both coach there i mean you were talking about you but we yes did that so yeah absolutely thank you um but yeah like so what do you do when you get you know you get 12 kids on a team and all 12 come up and say yeah i want to be the best i want to start 
It's like, well, I think you got to have a clear objective. Like my problem with club, when I worked at the OVA and I've been in the club scene a lot, there are a lot of lies in tryouts. And there are a lot of people who are brave to lie to a 15 year old at tryouts and say, you're going to start, you're going to be this player. You can have this Jersey number. And then the second tournament comes along and they're not starting. They're not playing the right position. Maybe it's the big kid who we said, you can be the left side, but really we knew you were going to be the middle and you kind of bury a kid that happens in Ontario way more than I'd like to admit. And it's because when you're recruiting these athletes, you're recruiting them with empty promises. And if you don't, force them what happens the kid just doesn't come back next year like the, the coaches aren't really accountable to the athletes they're they're poaching from other clubs because when maria brought up like the the manitoba model versus the ontario model what i'm learning about ontario is if you're in a city center like i think the halton region's popping off with a lot of clubs gta's got a lot women's or girls volleyball right now is about who can recruit the best not necessarily who's developing athletes the best right so what the hell do you do like why are why are coaches at a tryout thinking that they got to lie to a kid. You would tell the kid, don't lie to me, but you got the yeah. coach lying to the kid about what, just to, just to win what? Potentially a medal <laughs> at a provincial. Like, why is okay, that the freaking okay, case? Okay, I gotta jump in, I gotta jump in. We gotta circle back to where this conversation started, Garrett. <laughs> it's because there are people coaching for the wrong reasons, and there is no accountability in the coaching structure. First of all, and don't get me started on the coaching levels, I mean, because you have to go through, like, all these hoops and this and that and pay money to get certified to coach at a certain level, and we're asking people to volunteer their time. I mean, these aren't paid positions. So like we've made it difficult for people to get like what we think is like a basic level of certification that is important. And I'm not saying it's not, but we've made that barrier. And then who do you think are the people who are gonna like punch through that barrier? I'm not saying it's a blanket statement, but there are a lot of people coaching for the wrong reasons. And they're like, oh, power moves. Oh, I can wield my power over this group of like minors and feel really important for a minute and feel like I have all the cards and I can like make decisions that like maybe I'm not able to make in my own personal life. Sounds harsh, but like that's gotta be going on because so what how do you, do you how do you explain? How do you explain how few females are coaching female volleyball? How do you explain what are all these men doing coaching young women's teams? I have yet to hear a really concise, good reason other than, well, I'm coaching my daughter's team. Because I think that's a pretty good reason. But like beyond hey, that. Hey, quit taking my freaking line there, you. I've said that. I, I, we can't let that go. You're stealing my thunder there. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, it's a great point regardless of who's making it, like you got to ask the question, what are you doing here? But when it, the answer is not great or it's a lie, what the hell do you do about it? Nothing. Like, how do you like, maybe somebody said, Oh yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, like you could justify anything. Right. But how do you actually take it to the step where it's like, nah, our community is actually full of people who are, who mean well, mm-hmm. who like have a great foundation. And those people are rising to the top because that's what we really admire. Yeah, and the last thing I want is for volunteer male coaches who are coaching girls to be like, oh, shit, I got to get out. Oh, I'm getting Because there actually isn't there isn't enough coaches out there in general. But how can clubs take some accountability to grow their base? And I think, you know, if I would like to think if I've had any influence on Lee's side, it's that we have a lot of young female coaches who are being cultivated that will hopefully carry on and become head coaches a new out of university, that sort of thing. Because it's important. It's important. And it's not just to have an assistant coach who can give a kid a tampon when she needs it. It's about somebody who has technical skills, who's played the game, who gets how it goes and is there to actually contribute because that's the other thing, the tokenism of having a female coach in case anything happens, which we all know has to do with periods and sex. So it's, it's true. And I've heard it and it's, you know, part of the deal. And it's, that's important too. It's important to have somebody, you know, with that med kit include all the essentials, but you know, it's, it's really challenging to see like see it's hard it's hard for men to, to deal with it so yeah like look at you two thing. you're like backing out of the room like a bunch of scary cats what like, no no on. no no what no 
no, we're we're good. We like we're fully it's engaged. Rea- it's it's the reality of it. It's the reality so, of it's okay, it. It's okay. So, but I I wanna I wanna I think there's an accountability that parents need to have in this because I will never forget an experience. We were at Guelph University and our girls were playing at 15U. We we're playing a 14U team. So these girls are little. They're children. Babies. And their coach is going off at the side he's throwing his clipboard his face is bright red he's screaming and there's a girl on the court just bawling tears are streaming he's out of timeouts and it's fair play so now this girl is literally captive on the court screaming like being this guy i've never like i've I, we all maria you know who i'm talking about i'll just do this we uh, we all know who I'm talking about. I'll tell you guys later. But he loses his shit, creates a big scene, and it's all about him. It's all about him. It has nothing to do with these girls on the court not delivering. It has everything to do with he can't lose because he can't handle it. So I, like, and honestly, it was a pool play game. This girl is bawling. She's, like, I called a timeout because I couldn't handle it. And our parents are going over to their parents and saying, should we be stopping this game? And they're like, no, no, he does this all the time. Like, oh, okay. Like, so whatever happens, game ends, we win. Uh, And it carries on. But this isn't, oh, this is one experience that I'm telling you. But this happened. This is the norm. He's created an environment that these girls live in fear of humiliation. And I won't get into how the fair play rule plays into that, but I because that's all that's another episode. I feel like it's that it's so hard to watch as a kid who you know wasn't the best player on my team for sure, and you know you're trying your best, and you're 13 years old. So it seems pretty freaking hopeless to me when you say it like that, because if if you know nobody wants, I don't want to say nobody, but I don't want to see that in our community because that just that a is terrible for that those people involved b looks terrible on the sport like if if your image of volleyball is somebody stuck out on the court crying because their coach is red face yelling at them it's not really going to do a lot to move the sport forward but i guess my question then is because it's like hey if the parents don't do anything about it and clubs are strapped for coaches so somebody like that who's coaching parents aren't complaining it they need that to keep it going you know what yeah. the hell do we do anything well one of the one of the biggest problems with that situation is this team had one of the best players in the age group on it okay and you talked in the episode uh i don't know what episode it was but you were talking about like what if you just have the best player you don't have to be a good coach you just got the banger I and mean, she's gonna go up and she's gonna score every time and she did like so they're winning so they're, they're getting the results so on paper it's like oh this team's pretty good right and so we must be doing something right. But that girl could go play on any team and they would win. So, it was That was the reality. So, like, what do you do? Like, who steps in? Does the club step in? They're happy that they're winning. Like, does the OVA step in? Nobody's yeah. complaining. Like, the parents obviously aren't going to stand Should up the and anything. Should the ref be doing something? I don't know. I don't know. Josh, can and- you give us some administrative <laughs> enlightenment? The, the entire problem is falling on your shoulders right now. Fix this, Josh. <laughs> I think it takes all of us, Garrett. I think it takes wow. all of us. I think if, wow. if Katie yeah. would have filed a report with the OVA, maybe that gets the conversation started. Maybe they reach out to the yeah. club director. Maybe the ref backs the story. Like, I don't think one person's responsible, but I think let, let's start with the OVA. I don't think the OVA is watching every game going on because there's like 14 tournaments going on in different tiers and stuff. So they're the ones who are going to police it. But I think they need the, the NARC to really yeah. like tip them off of what's going on but just because nobody's complaining i don't know that's a weird argument that doesn't necessarily make it right all the time right that i think with the safe sports stuff coming through and all the certification we do have to do i think there is an education piece there so hopefully we are moving in the right direction but yeah if i was in your same situation there's not a clear process for how that gets squashed right yeah it's kind of sad that we 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 police our our sport by if nobody's complaining you must be doing an okay job yeah. And for the record, I actually, I wrote on the score sheet uh, that there was, you know, incredibly inappropriate behavior, should have been red carded out of the game, like really disappointed in the refing. And then I also wrote an email to the OVA to which they they replied and said, thanks, we'll look into it. But, you know, that's, that's about it. And this was 
couple of years, I guess 15 you for those girls who are now 18 you. So that's, this was three years ago, but this guy still coaches and it always seems to be the age group that I coach. <laughs> yeah. I think he maybe does that on purpose, Katie. Um, yeah. Just to get at you. I mean, Josh, your comment to bring it full circle, man, like that just, it just, you know, count on you to really bring some serious, holistic round full circle. Like what the heck, man, hit me where it hurts. It's on all of us. Cause yeah. <laughs> what have I done? to make things better where I've been. And the reality is like pretty much nothing. Like I've never really made a move to stand up in a situation that I thought was uncool or, you know, disregarded my competitive edge thought to take care of something that was maybe, you know, really not okay or something that needed addressing in an unprofessional way. Like that's something that certainly I've never done. And, uh, I mean, it, it's definitely hitting close to home to, to kind of hear that comment. It takes all of us, you know? Well, it is tough though. Like it, to flip the context, like say I was coaching against Maria and one of her athletes gets teary eyed or whatever. I don't understand the context. So for me as an opposing coach, or maybe just somebody there to walk up and accuse her of mistreating this athlete where you don't know, maybe she has a knee injury, maybe a shoulder injury, maybe like something's going on with her family. Like you, you don't know the context. So for me to start accusing people of stuff happening, like I think it's, it's a tough situation for everybody, right? right like you don't sure. always know so, what's really going on. Katie's example, that was pretty graphic and well explained that we know what's happening there, but to just see an athlete upset at a tournament and you as an outsider interject in that situation mm -hmm. i don't think that's always called for either right I, I think as soon as someone throws something they should be thrown out because the same guy a few tournaments later chucked a ball that almost hit like in anger off the, or did he kick it did he i kick think he kicked it? it he kicked it kicked it out of anger and it almost hit one of our parents who happens to be a very prominent member of the toronto maple leafs and he caught it with a single hand and was like and it was this moment of like, but if that was, you know, a, a different person, it could have taken the, their head off. Like it could have given, you could have given another parent a concussion. Like that's means for removal for the game for me. When you're endangering the the safety of people around the gym, like why wasn't the ref all over that? Yeah, I think that is. That it was hilarious. But for but sure. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So to extend your metaphor about Maria, Josh. So then, I mean, obviously you're right. The, the situation, there's a rabbit hole starting and we're going down it. So Katie's right. Like, cause she makes the point like, Hey, the, an athlete gets teary eyed. Like you're not gonna, you don't know what the hell's going on, but there are some situations where you can clearly know what's going on. So say Maria, on the bench absolutely loses it gets red face starts yelling and screaming at their assistant coach sitting on the bench there and you can see that assistant coach just getting teary-eyed folding up completely like they want to just leave you know like is that something you think people need to step in and address or like is that obvious enough I love how your hypotheticals get way too specific. Like your imaginary Western hypothetical that we all knew was too true for you to have all the details. So, <laughs> yeah, I think someone's got to maybe you know ask if you're okay, maybe pull you aside, like not make a big scene of it, but uh, you know, it, it's bigger than just sport here. Well, you know? I mean, I didn't name the assistant coach. Like it's an unnamed assistant coach, but I, you know, I appreciate that you think it was me. But I mean, it's an unnamed. It's a meta. It's just a hypothetical. But you know, I do appreciate that. Um, not saying that that ever happened at all, or that happens at home ever, but, uh, you know, just good to know in case, you know, mm -hmm. well, we did talk about the head coach assistant coach thing before. I think it's important for the head coach to make the assistant coach feel valued, Garrett, even though like you're, you didn't have much input and you couldn't really adjust technically, tactically, at least if you felt heard, maybe that would make the relationship better. I mean, right? don't stop there. And the girls didn't respond to me. I didn't really have an effective arm in practice. I mean, the parents didn't <laughs> respect me. I was ugly and bad looking on the bench. I mean, I yelled and got cards. Like, I mean, it, it's tough. Like, yeah, you're right. I think I need to be valued there, even despite all those things, Maria. I, this is getting just a little too personal. Like we're going to chat after the chat. Like I'm feeling Leave like it up to the guy challenge. to make it about him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey. hey guys, this is sharp guts. This is how it ends. Yeah. Like we get to a point and then somebody makes it about themselves and I'm not going to name names about who usually does that, but it's one of us. <laughs> we all uh, know it's you. So, and sometimes it's different, but many times it's the same. And then we just kind of mm -hmm. get to a point where we're sick of each other and we shut it down. Hmm. <laughs> Are we there? I mean, we're pretty close. I don't know. I... <laughs> uh, pretty close. <laughs> 
<laughs> are you sick of us yet we're getting pretty close no i feel like we could talk about this for hours and i feel like that's a sign of uh of a good episode a good group of guests <laughs> to kind of that you don't you feel like you could keep going and hopefully our listeners have been uh, engaged with us as well so maria it's been your your first episode on Sharp Cuts. Katie, your second, although the first one will never see the light of day, unfortunately. Um, Maria, what have you actually thought? You've actually listened through your first full episode, I hope, because you've been here. Maybe you checked out at some point throughout, but uh, what do you think? You know, I, I got to be honest, I, I really enjoy the style. Like, I like the healthy banter back and forth. I like that we can, you know, disagree, make a few joy jokes, circle back to a point. Like, I think it's effective. I think people will want to listen to that. I think the real world experience, I think the more that you can get people on who are going to tell stories, um, how we learn, and we know this in other settings that I work in, we learn through story. It's the most effective way to teach people. And so like getting people on who can really share their experience, even if it, you know, gets a little bit into the deep cuts, which, you know, you may have a competitor podcast starting sometime soon. No, not oh, this garbage again. Are you kidding me? No. Like, what are we talking about? You may have a rival we can't keep doing this. Face. We have 10 competitors now. Like everybody started a freaking <laughs> podcast after they come on sharp cuts. We're coming for you, May. So, I mean, it, it might happen. It may or may not be in the works. Josh, there might just making a, a smart ploy here to butter us up and say how great an idea she thinks, but then she's just going to steal the idea and take all our best guests. What the heck? Well, how do you think Fortnite made a fortune? <laughs> oh. Oh, that's a deep cut <laughs> that maybe a lot of people don't even understand. That's a gamer cut by you. I didn't even know you knew that. Oh, yes, sort of that stuff. gaming content to uh, throw in there. Yeah, I'm a jack of all trades. So, anyway, those are my thoughts. Wow. Well, I mean, Josh, you better end the episode before the tech breaks down, or Maria and I have a domestic, or Katie gets sick of us, or something. I mean, let's end on a high note. This is this is another one, but Garrett. I feel like every week we get a little bit better, and I love Maria's point about storytelling there because I, I don't know if we solved the issues today, Garrett, but we definitely got people thinking. Maybe this gets them talking. You know, maybe I'll coach women's club volleyball next year and just be like, see if I belong or not. Because according to Maria, I'm not qualified. I've never I mean, played a don't. game of women's volleyball. No, right? spoiler so alert, I don't you know. don't. <laughs> Josh, I'll come and do your assessment for your level. Or whatever. <laughs> I'm up for it. And I won't be nice. <laughs> More unsolicited advice. I love it. I love being judged. This is good. This is good. <laughs> Aaron, are we still rolling? Yeah, we're still going. Like, I don't know. Should I end it? Or you guys? Yeah, like, uh, I mean... Well, this is awesome. This will come out on Monday. I, I recommend watching this one just to see the facial expressions and the laughs. So that's going to be on YouTube on Yes Guy Gaming. If you're more like audio, you want to listen to this in the car, you want to, you know, go grocery shopping, put it on. It's going to be on Passing Knives, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get podcasts, you can listen to it there. Uh, another awesome one. Yeah, we got some unfinished business. This one, is, this, this isn't over, Garrett. I think we got to have him back soon. <laughs> <laughs>